You can return back to your seats. Return back to your seats. Because I have to deliver this. And after 14 minutes, if I couldn't get you riled up, I'm not going to take another 14. Hopefully the word of God will penetrate your heart and your mind today and you will begin to receive this word that God has even before I deliver. Would you just help me quickly? Would you just help me pray? Lord, thank you for, for what you've said. Thank you for what you're about to say. Thank you that your word is not dormant. It is not ancient. It is alive and well. And your word today, your word is going to be quick and powerful and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And your word today is going to do what it needs to do in my life. If you're ready for the word of God just to maybe cut some things off that just have remained too long, say amen. If you're ready for the word of God to correct some things that you've been thinking and, and acting on and dealing with too long, say amen. If you're ready for the word of God to expose every lie that you've, you've bought into for so long, say amen. And if you're ready for the word of God to be that weapon that you use against the enemy so he's got to get back, Jack, shout amen today. Amen. Hallelujah. Because of what has uh, been transpiring in our, in our world and what is transpiring in specifically the nation of Israel, I've already lost my voice. Help me, Jesus. <clears throat> what is happening is what we would call a sign of the times. I don't have um, the <clears throat> capacity today to deliver to you every single scripture that exists on, on the end times. That's hopefully what the rest of this month will be for, and that's hopefully what our our Wednesday workshop will be for at the end of this month. But <clears throat> in particular, what I want to kind of show you is why Bible, why Bible prophecy is given to us. And I shared this last week, and I just want to make sure we're clear. Bible prophecy does not exist to scare us. Bible prophecy exists to prepare us for what is to come. Okay? <clears throat> this is why we have multiple references, and I don't know what's going on in my voice, so give me a second, y'all. Somebody pray for me. I bind the devil. I think the devil forgot. David can turn me way up. <clears throat> Comfort my voice, Satan. That's fine. I'm still going to preach this thing. Hello? Okay? I can, I can feel it, too. This feels like an attack against my voice, but I'm going to just keep declaring the word of God and watch what the word of God does to the devil. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, you don't think I'm in the middle of a spiritual battle every Sunday I stand here and preach the word? Yeah, I know what he's trying to do. So you need to help me today counteract his bull crap. Just believe that God is my healer. <clears throat> my voice will come back in Jesus' name. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the word of God shows us multiple times, I mean time and time again, what's going to happen in these end times. L look at with me. Okay? These moments of preparation, 1 Thessalonians 5. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, Destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, check it out. You are not in darkness so that this day would surprise you like a thief. See? This is not about fear. This is about being prepared. Or Second Peter says like this. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. 
The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and its works will be laid bare. Not to scare us, to prepare us. Revelations 3, I love this, how, how Jesus says, remember then what you have received and what you have heard. Keep it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know the hour when I will come upon you. <clears throat> this idea of his return that we, we could be completely unprepared for, unaware of. I won't talk about this much today, but, but the, the Christian term we use is called the rapture. Yes, you won't find that term rapture translated into English, but you will find its essence, and you will find, uh, you will find exactly the, an indication, multiple indications, that this kind of taking up will happen, the, the rapture. And is, for the most part, I feel like most Christians have probably heard that term on some level, the rapture. It's the, it's the taking up of the church, the believers, the Christians, being taken up from the earth into heaven to be with Christ. Those of you who are, are, are single, and, and uh, I wonder if single people think this way. Karina, you got that, I've got the image of Bez, whoever, got that image for me. Yeah, me calculating my chances of getting married before the rapture. Do any single people think that way? Yeah, yeah, okay, right. right. I, I get that. I, I understand, like, what, is this going to happen or, or not, Lord? So give me, give me Revelations 3 again. This is why ultimately Jesus says, okay, listen, remember what you have received and what you have heard. Keep it and repent. Today is the day we choose to live right before God, and we don't worry about what tomorrow holds or if that man or woman is going to show up in my life. Instead, I'm going to just trust God. I'm going to wake up. And let me try something like this. <clears throat> man, because my voice is just, I'm just fighting right now. Hallelujah. I promise you I was, I was fine 10 minutes ago. Let me try something that might... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, because now you feel like you got to <clears throat> clear your throat too, right? Listening to me. Good Lord, I'm going I'm to get as many <clears throat> as I am amens today. Thank you. Let me try something. Let me propose it like this. If you knew that you only had 24 hours before the end of the world, let, let's, try, let's try something. Let's try some fun first. If you knew you only had 24 hours before the end of the world, what would you eat? Well, Jesus is coming back, so I'm going to eat everything I wanted to and everything my doctor said I could. Hello, somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to salt everything. Hello. I'm going to sugar it all up. Praise the Lord. Give me, all that, give me all that greasy stuff. Come on, somebody. If you knew you only had 24 hours before the end of the world, would, how about this? <clears throat> Who would you be brave enough to finally ask out? I don't got 24 hours. I might as well, right? How about this one? You're going to love this. If you only had 24 hours for the end of the world, who would you finally give a piece of your mind to? <clears throat> i got only 24 hours. That ain't enough time, Pastor. But I'm finally going to give him a piece of my mind. More, more seriously and more personally, if you only had 24 hours before the end, who would you finally forgive? Amen. Somebody's getting it. If, if you only had 24 hours before the end, how would you even praise and worship your great God today? 24 hours is all I got left. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting ready to do it forever. Well, I might as well just get, st get the party started early. Let's go. In these, in these last days, I, I fully believe that it's time for us to not just hear, but begin to understand what the Bible says about the end. 
And you need to know, it is not a message of worry. It is a message of victory. What is to come is a message of victory. Amen. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, Matthew 24. And in fact, is, uh, I don't even know if Pastor Olga is in the room or not. But... So I don't have to keep clearing my, my, my uh... is Rev Dev in here? Rev Dev, come here, my guy. So I don't have to keep clearing my throat. I'm going to have, ladies and gentlemen, would you give it for Reverend Devin Becker? <clears throat> my guy, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to have you read Matthew 24 for me. Bez, let's put it up on the screen, Matthew 24, because you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to clear my, my throat out a little bit. I'm going to pray against this demon, and then I'm going to preach. Amen? All right. Would you stand your feet today for the reading of God's word? Stand your feet with me. Matthew 24. All right, Matthew 24, 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said. When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? Jesus answered, Take heed, watch out, that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Next one, please. <laughs> then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. And then the end will come. Say amen. Thank you, my God. Let's give it up for Rev Dev, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you can be seated. <clears throat> I don't know if verse 7 and 8 was in there, but, but verse 7 tells us that nation will rise against nation. Okay, the, the actual Greek is the, the ethnos will rise against the ethnos. Literally, the race will rise against the race. Ooh, why do you think I'm always combating that spirit of racism in this house? I'm always fighting against it because I see it. I see it. Race rising against race. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen in, in, in America. It doesn't just happen in Africa. It doesn't just happen in the Middle East. It, it happens all over the world. But where it should never happen is in the house of God, where we are all God's children. Not just his creation, his children. And so I celebrate that your dust might be darker than mine, just like you need to celebrate that mine's a little lighter than yours. Because at the end of the day, we will not take part in ethnos, rising against ethnos. It is not for the believers. But in these last days, Jesus said these things are going to happen. They're going to be so prevalent. And when it comes to the end, I love this about our Savior. Jesus doesn't give us probabilities. Jesus doesn't give us prospects. Jesus doesn't even give us predictions. Jesus gives us prophecy. And, uh, prophecy. Let, 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 me, let me illustrate what I mean. Predictions. Everyone say predictions. Predictions can be based on fact or science, right? But predictions really are nothing more than educated guesses. All right, let, let, let's, let, let, let me illustrate this. 
For example, <clears throat> if I were to drink this whole canister of water, you can predict I'm going to need more water. What do you think I was going to say? Yeah. Prediction. If, if I were to, to flip a nickel, you can predict it's going to land on either heads or tails almost 50% of the time. Or you can predict that one out of every 6,000 times, I know because I looked it up, it will land on its edge. I can't even get it to stand up. I can, I can predict it will happen one out of every 6,000 times. I can predict. Anybody, anybody like I used to be always watching the weather? See, prediction says I can predict what tomorrow's weather is going to be like because of the forecast. But that's not prophecy. Prophecy is Jesus speaking to a hurricane and telling that thing it's time to chill out. And immediately it has to obey his word. This is what I'm, I'm trying to get you. Whenever you begin to read biblical prophecy, don't get scared. Get happy. Rejoice. Because prophecy is your guarantee that God is going to make good on his promises. Can I get somebody to say yes and amen to the promises of God? So Matthew chapter 24, it's Jesus' prophetic response to the disciples' concerns about what is going to happen in the end. So Jesus gives them an entire prophetic sermon about what is going to come. And one of the things that is so unique about Jesus is the way that he answers people's questions. If you ever, if you ever just look at how Jesus answers questions, he is never telling people what they want to hear. He's always telling them what they need to know. And, and so what I want to do here today, if you will allow me to, is I just want to give you the five essential signs that I, I see Jesus saying we need to know in these end times. Y'all ready for this? If you're ready for this, put your hands together and say amen. All right. <clears throat> I will do my best to get through this. Thank you, Jesus. My voice is coming back. Praise the Lord. Here we go. <clears throat> amen. Come on. Thank you for fighting for me in prayer today. Thank you. Instead of fighting me, just thank you for fighting with me. Amen. Number one, let's uh, go back to verse four real quick. In verse four, Jesus begins to tell them, okay, these are the things that are going to happen. But before he gives the list of what's going to happen, uh, do we have verse four? All right, got to go backwards, my friend. Think the other way. Yeah, go the other way. There we go. But verse four. Well, anyway, here's what Jesus tells him. He says this. He says, listen, before I even tell you about anything that's going to happen, you need to take heed. Take heed. Watch out. Be attentive. Be aware. Take heed is what he says. Thank you. There it goes. He says, listen, take heed so that no one deceives you. Everyone say, take heed. I want to say it in, in, a, in a 1990s gangster rap term. Ice Cube said, chickadee, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Take heed. Take heed. See, when we start seeing the signs of the times, when we start seeing a one-world government begin to form, and we start seeing a, a cashless society and, and a one-world currency, and we start seeing Antichrist rise up all over the world, we're going to start looking for answers. So Jesus says, listen, if we don't take heed, we will be deceived. Take heed. Pay attention. Wake up. Watch out. 
And this is why Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly in the last times that some will turn away from the true faith. Check this out. They will actually be following deceptive or seducing spirits and doctrines or teachings that come from demons. Whoa. I have to take heed or I'm going to be deceived by what is happening in these last days. So much like the disciples, we want some details, Jesus. If all these things are going to happen, tell, tell, us, tell us the times. Tell us the places. Tell us the plan. What are those signs? And Jesus says, before all of that, you need to get this first essential down. Give attention to yourself. Give heed to yourself. If you're taking notes, write it like this. The first priority for Christians is not what's going on out there. It's what is going on inside of here. Because when I see the signs of the times, my question should never be, Jesus, when will you return? My question needs to be, when Jesus does return, will he recognize me as his own? How is my passion? How is my relationship with God? Am I walking by faith? Am I daily denying myself, taking on my cross and following Jesus? Will he recognize me when he returns? Take heed to yourself. Can I find some believers that can just declare with me in these last days, I'm still going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'm not worried about all these things that will be added to me anyway. Take heed to yourself. Second thing I want to tell you is this. It comes from verse 6. This essential sign, Jesus says, is when all these things begin to happen, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars and, and no more ceasefires or peace treaties ever being signed, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be distressed. The word trouble actually comes from, from another word, uh, the, the word agitation, okay? Don't be agitated. Basically, what Jesus is saying is when these things happen, don't let a spirit of agitation sit upon you. Oh, come on, somebody. I have to pray against this spirit every time I get behind the wheel. Good Lord, because I, I can't stand people who don't know how to drive. A spirit of agitation just sits on me, and I'm just ready to condemn everybody and send them to hell. Hello. Jesus says when these things are happening, though, the serious things are happening, don't get agitated. And you know, listen, you know, the, really, the reason why I believe that we are living in the last times is because everybody is agitated with everybody. Democrats agitated Republicans. Republicans agitated with Democrats. Independents agitated because they don't know what to vote for. We just agitated. This group agitated with that group. The, the, these denominations agitated with those denominations. LeBron lovers always agitated with the gold lovers. Somebody always agitated. Everybody is always agitated with someone else. And so Jesus, listen, all these things must happen. So when you see them happen, don't get agitated. Don't get troubled. Don't get fearful. I love how he says this in, in John 16, Jesus says, these things I've already told you. I've spoken to you about them. So in me, in someone say in Christ, not in church, 
not being a good person, but in Christ Jesus says, you will have peace in this world. You're going to have trouble. So take heart. Be of good cheer. That means get a smile on your face because you know no matter how troubled it gets out there, Jesus Christ is still working in here. I can take heart. I can be of good cheer because I know he's overcome everything happening out there. Put your hands together if you know you serve a God who is greater and can overcome anything you face. Ooh, why is some of you just sitting there? I don't know if I believe that, Pastor, because you don't know what I'm going through. And if you just keep sitting there, you'll stay stuck in it. But if you give God the praise today and you tell that situation, I'm coming out of this thing. I'm coming out of this mess. Ooh, be of good cheer. So why are you frowning? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus tells us of these two signs to take heed and don't be, don't be troubled. Then he segues into this next portion and give me verse 12 there, sir. Verse 12. What Jesus says is that because of lawlessness, I think the King James says iniquity, those, those sins within, those generational curses, if you will. Because of, of lawlessness, and because what's going to happen is, is literally iniquity or lawlessness is going to abound. It's going to, because lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness literally means anarchy. Lawlessness means it's out of control. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, look at America just the past three years. The lawlessness, the anarchy. I don't care what side of the aisle you are on. You can sit here all day long and tell me that the, the election from four years, almost four years ago, was, uh, is corrupt and, the, and that it's illegal and it was wrong, sure. But then don't go and storm the Capitol building to make your points. Good Lord, somebody. Lawlessness will abound. And Elizabeth, if you wonder what side, of, what side of the aisle is pastor on? I'm on the side of the aisle that's going to take me to heaven, the one where I always vote for King Jesus anyway, because none of them are my king. <laughs> so just in case you wonder who I'm going to vote for next November, I will walk into the ballot, and I will do what I've been doing every year since I was a teenager, right in King Jesus. Blam. Done. There you go. Now you know where I stand. <laughs> but look at America. Look at us. My God, lawlessness abounding. We've got students in universities hiding in different parts of the building because of lawlessness. People coming for them because of, of their culture, their religious beliefs, where they're from. My God, what do we see? We see literal murder in the streets being videotaped. A man crying for his mama and nobody stops it. Lawlessness abounding downtown aurora we watched this happen don't tell me you're in aurora and then go and trash my city come on somebody down there looting and rioting setting things on fire lawlessness abounding occupational zones in portland just taking things over that aren't even yours lawlessness abounding chaos in our streets and Jesus warned, he said, look, because lawlessness will abound, abound literally means it will multiply, not just add, it will multiply. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many, someone say many, 
will grow cold. It will wax cold. Any of you who have ever been in a relationship before, you know how this works. Love doesn't quickly go cold. Love slowly grows cold. It's a process. And today, what I, I feel like the Spirit of God wants me to do is challenge that slow fade in your love for God. That slow fade in your love for worship. That, 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 that slow shift where at one time you were always at the altar, lifting your hands and praising God, and now you're at the back row because I know you're almost out the door. That, that slow fade in, in our hearts that says, I, I, I used to spend daily time with God, and now I just wait for the pastor to feed me something once a week. I used to spend time on my knees in prayer and intercession, but, but now the only time I pray is when I'm in desperate need. That slow fade. You used to love me. And now I know you can't stand me. That love we used to have for one another is begin to fade. I just want to say this real quick, ladies and gentlemen. If you used to love me and, and you don't love me anymore, I haven't changed. I am who I am. <laughs> it's interesting to me here that what Jesus uses is he uses this word lawlessness. Lawlessness. Why does he use the word sin, Miss Tracy? Why does he say sin? I'll tell you why. Because lawlessness goes deeper than sin. Iniquity goes deeper than sin. Sin is, is really just, I've messed up. Or literally translated, I, I've I've taken aim and I've missed the mark. That's what sin is. But lawlessness or iniquity is knowingly violating an established law. It is in place and I knowingly have violated. In other words, even Christians will go so cold in the last days, Christians will knowingly go against what they know is right. And this is why Jesus says, look, the opportunity to violate the law will abound. The opportunity to do what is evil will abound. Abound simply means, look, the opportunity to sin is so easy and so available because of things like the internet and your cell phone and God dare I say the dark web, because of these things that exist, one time things that used to be hidden and we would never talk about and never even consider are now readily available and accessible. Opportunities abound to fall into iniquity, to fall into wickedness. This is why eventually every kind of a drug will be legal. This is why eventually every kind of sexual deviance and every kind of sexual perversion will eventually be legalized. I will continue to oppose pedophilia every step of the way, but that's not the way of the world. It's not the way of, of humanity because lawlessness will abound eventually. Laws will be changed because they're already pressing for it in Congress to change the laws so that children can legally be abused by adults. My God, can I get somebody in this generation to still stand for what is right? Somebody in their spirit that says right is right and wrong is wrong. Because even in church, Jesus said, the love of many wax cold. 
Because we will start to participate in things that we one time said, that's wrong. 60 years ago, you would have never heard a preacher say homosexuality is acceptable. Now, if you are a practicing homosexual, you are accepted here. Absolutely. But according to the word of God, you need to surrender your life to Jesus and live God, live, live your life God's way. Am I still speaking truth 60 years later? Take it up in the book. See, six years ago, people would have been standing up. Come on, let's go, amen. But now we're just kind of like, let pastor get canceled. I'm not joining them in that. Because the love of many is wax cold. And you think you're upset with me right now. I didn't write the book. I'm trying to deliver you the thing that will keep you delivered from depression and suicide and anxiety and always feeling like, why don't I fit in? Because God called you out from your sin. He called you out from your lawlessness. God called you out from your wickedness. Amen. I said I was going to be nice, Kareem, but good Lord. Holy Spirit's got me on a roll. And I got that demon off my throat, so thank you, Jesus. Amen. I know I don't mean to be gross, but I know you didn't see it, but I actually hacked it up. Thank you. Maybe you did. While Dev was reading, it came up. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God. Because what the enemy's trying to silence, God clearly is saying, this is what needs to be spoken. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Plus, I'm getting too old to care if you want to cancel me. How does this? It is essential, I believe, that we catch this third thing, because i got to get to it. What is, this, what is this third sign that Jesus says? He says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. In 2023, it is essential then that we endure to the end. This is my third point. You need to endure to the end. Endure to the end. Uh, I love how James said this in James 1. He said, blessed is the man or woman who endures under trial because when he or she has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I just feel like the Lord was telling me this last night, so I just want to take a moment, and I want to thank God for every Pastor Bethel in the room that, that literally will work himself 80 hours a week and still make sure that church is his number one priority. Pastor Bethel, I honor you, sir. Continue to endure because you will receive the crown of life. I want to thank God for every, every Kelly and every Danette that no matter what they've been through in life, no matter what they've lost, no matter how much sorrow the enemy has had to drop on them, they still make up their mind, I'm going to endure. My sisters, I prophesy, God will give you the strength to keep enduring so in the end you can receive the crown of life that was promised you. To any one of you in this room that feel like you've lost something, you feel like the enemy's just beat you down nonstop. I came to prophesy to your life today. A new strength of endurance is about to overtake you, and you will persevere because there is a crown that has promised you. And it just I know it's not on the screen, but James 1.12 says God has promised you something, and I know my God always makes good on his promises. Endure. Endure to the end. Enduring simply means to stand 
to finish strong. No quitting. No deserting. No abandoning. To every father that feels like, I, I, I can't do this, I prophesy over your life, you will have the strength to endure. To every mother who says, these kids are driving me crazy, you will have the strength to endure. Endure. To my, my brothers and sisters in Christ that just feel like, I can't, I can't stand anybody anymore. I pray that you have the strength to endure. Don't abandon us. Don't quit on us. Don't give up on us. Because if there's anything I know about enduring, enduring also means not just to take a stand and not give up. It means to take a stand against evil. Endure to stand against evil. Just real quick, can I, can I find some believers that, will, that can ultimately say, I will continue to stand for what's right, even when everyone else tells me it's wrong? I will stand. I could compromise but I'm going to endure. I could give in, but I'm going to endure. I could act like everyone else around me, but I'm going to endure. I could lower my standards, but I'm going to endure. I could just give up and say I'm done with this, but I am going to endure. You know, it reminds me of this. If I could illustrate it like this. It reminds me of, of Pastor Bethel running the Chicago Marathon. And he gets to, and he gets to mile 25 out of 26.2. And you know what Pastor Bethel could do? He could Hop on the L and cheat. Hello, somebody. Pa- Pastor Beto could, 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 could jump out of the race and, and, and try to cut through the, the alleys and, and jump out in front. Pastor Beto could ultimately say the mile 25, I am exhausted. I'm just going to quit early. But ladies and gentlemen, if he's already at mile 25, then he's almost at the finish line. And can I remind you, in 2023, we are one day closer to the finish line. So do not quit. Do not give up. Do not abandon what God has called you to do. And can I tell you, would you stop worrying about how this thing is going to end and just endure to the end? Amen. And amen. All right. Number four. Well, clearly it's stuck right there, so I'll just keep going. That's right, and this is fine. If it, if it doesn't move any, okay. If it doesn't move beyond that, we'll be fine. The fourth thing I want to tell you is this. It's essential that we realize this sign. And Jesus said, this sign must happen. He said this. He said, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached. Just so, just so that we're clear. Did Jesus say any gospel must be preached? He said the gospel of the... There we go. Okay. 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 Most American churches are only going to preach a salvation gospel. Some American churches will only preach a prosperity gospel. But Jesus said the reason why they have no power is because they won't preach a kingdom gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. I get it. We all want to hear those things, all the good things that God can do for us. But I came to tell you this gospel of the kingdom is meant to teach you to submit your knee, your will, and your desire to the king of kings. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe we need to testify. 
I believe we need to tell the people all the great things that God has done for us. But this gospel, this gospel doesn't just stop at your salvation. This gospel doesn't stop at just your blessing. This gospel doesn't stop at just your prosperity. This gospel of the kingdom is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. This is the gospel of the kingdom. When you just sit here and you let me do all the work, that's not the gospel of the kingdom. It's when you join forces with me and we serve the will of the king of kings. This gospel of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus says. He says, look, he says, look, the only thing that is holding back the end is that this gospel of the kingdom, check it out, will be preached in every nation. Derek, you know what I love so much about Christianity? It is so extremely inclusive. Yeah. You and I, we leave people out. You and I, we ignore people. You, you and I, we, we, people get on our nerves. And we want to censor them and we want to shut them out. And we want to exclude them. But not your God. No, no. Your God so loved the world. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached in every nation. And because of modern technology, even right now, we're being streamed all over the world. Anybody can access this sermon right now. I know it because we always get censored in, in Russia and in Canada. They're always just muting our videos. Hallelujah that the gospel's still getting there. Maybe you don't realize this, but this gospel of the kingdom right now through different forms of media is being, it's literally being transmitted through the airwaves, through the internet, through people's cell phones. And even though the gospel is illegal in multiple nations, in the Middle East and in Asia and even in Africa, the gospel of the kingdom is still being preached all over the world right now. What I'm trying to simply tell you is... When you look around at all the bad things that are happening, you can sit here and say, Pastor, there's, there, maybe the gospel is being preached all over the world, but evil is also happening all over the world. And I would simply tell you, and you are proving Jesus' point, that he said these things were going to happen. And our response to the evil thing that is happening all over the world is to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom to the entire world. Because only this will put an end to the evil. Amen. Does anybody still believe that this book is the word of life? If it transformed you, what can it do for every other evil that exists out there? Oh my God, I love hearing those testimonies of former Satanists and witches and, and warlocks and Muslims and atheists and Buddhists and even Jews that bow their knee to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because they were one time in sin, Whew. but now they're saved and transformed, not by religion, but by the king. This gospel of the kingdom will still transform 
nations. If you believe that, say amen. And the last thing I want to give you is this, and I'm done. Well, the sermon will be done. If we can skip back, excuse me, let's skip ahead to actually Luke's account. From Matthew's account, let's skip ahead to Luke's account. And Luke gives an account of this same exact prophetic response that Jesus has. It's in Luke 21. But I like how, how Luke finishes Jesus' prophetic sermon. Here's what he says in Luke 21, 25. He said, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. And on the day, uh, and on the earth, sorry, dismay among the nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the surging of the waves. So clearly what's going to happen is the celestial beings and celestial bodies that exist, they're going to start giving us signs. <clears throat> Ms. Tracy, what I'm going to do in, in April, I'm just giving everyone a heads up, in April, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you um, the, uh, the lunar eclipse that is going to happen right here across our nation. Here's what's cool about it. If you, some of you were around in 2017, you remember me preaching this message. In 2017, I talked about the, fir the first lunar eclipse, how it crossed, literally crossed our nation from, from uh, um, uh, Washington and, and Oregon all the way through to Florida. Crossed, crossed one way from west to east. That was 17. Seven years later, and seven is a very biblical number, 2024, another lunar eclipse is going to cross our nation from the southwest to the northeast. And the spot that it's going to cross, it's crazy, is southern Illinois in an area that was one time known as Little Egypt. Yeah. You don't think it's something biblical? Come back in April. <laughs> and hopefully you keep coming till then. But amen. Okay. I'll talk about it in April. But it's so crazy that the signs will be in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on the earth, literally there will be dismay among the nations because of what's going to happen. People will faint from fear and anxiety over what is coming upon the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, whoo, they will see the Son of Man, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. See, this isn't meant to make you afraid. This is meant to get you into a mode of victory and anticipation and faith and excitement. When these things begin to happen, here it is. Stand up. Literally look up. Lift up your heads because your salvation, or King James, your redemption draweth nigh. The disciples are here. They're, they're questioning Jesus about when will the end come and what will be the sign of your return. And Jesus says, all right, look, I'm going to answer that question by shifting your focus. Instead of just being focused on, on, on what is going to happen and, and what's going to look like here for us, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to shift your focus in the, in the sky, there will be signs in the moon and the sun and the stars. So here's my fifth and final essential end time point for you. This is what we need to do in these end times. Instead of looking at everything around us and what is happening around us, Jesus says, number five, look 
up. Shift your focus and look up. He said when it gets crazy out there, when it gets scary out there, when you are perplexed in here, stop looking away. Stop looking down. Stop looking to the government. Stop looking to your bank account. Don't look at the things that are here. He said look up. Look up. His last words are, don't hang your head in dismay. His last words aren't, don't walk around here acting like a victim. His last words aren't, don't be afraid or tormented or discouraged. You know what hanging your head is? Hanging your head is the universal sign of defeat. It's a universal sign of shame. Hanging your head is the universal sign of sadness and low self-esteem. So Jesus says, don't do that. Look up. I know these things are scary, but look up. I know what you see around you is freaking you out, but look up. It's the posture of the world to hang its head and look down with doom and gloom. And really, the only difference between the world and us is where we're looking. Because we're going to go through the same exact things that they're going to go through. But here's the only thing that's different. Everything for us is looking up. Come on. I don't know what else I can do here, ladies and gentlemen. Can I just encourage you today? Look up to the author and the finisher of your faith. Look up to the hills from which cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. Look up because you know how this thing ends in the end. In the end, we win. So look up. And can I, can I go a little further? Look up because the field is ripe for harvest. Men and women all around you are just ready to hear this message of the gospel of the kingdom. Look up because the workers are few. Look up because redemption isn't just about you. But somebody declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've got to look up because redemption isn't just for me. It's for my entire family. Somebody shake your neighbor and tell them everything is looking up from here. It's looking up. And I can hear God saying in these last days, ladies and gentlemen, stop looking down because your redemption is near. It is time to look up. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. For God says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you and I tell you now now would you kindly shake that person who's sleeping next to you and tell them now now is the day of salvation now is the time of God's favor now 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 someone say now would you stand your feet with me all over this room now now I was thinking about this with all this impending destruction and chaos with the inevitable lawlessness with the, the heavens being shaken with the waves being literally tossed and, and, and maybe even portions of our planet being overwhelmed by water with everything that is, that is going to happen before the return of Christ I get it 
I can look at, at all this impending death and destruction and ask myself one simple question. Will I be safe? There's usually only one of two responses that we preach this before to any kind of bad situation, right? Let's go. Or what most people do. Fight or flight. With all this impending prophetic promises about to be fulfilled, will I be safe? Will my family be safe? Will the people I love and pray for, will they be safe? And can I just simply tell you, yes, yes, yes. And how do I know that? Because I know the Hebrew word for salvation. I know the Hebrew word for safety. Do you know what that Hebrew word is? Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew for the Latinized version of English that we say Jesus. In English, we call him Jesus. But in Hebrew, his name means salvation. In Hebrew, his name means safety. Can I tell you here today, it is still true 2,000 years later, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody lift your hands and declare for your family and declare for your finances and declare for your future the name of Jesus, the name above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, we declare today our safety, our security, our confidence, and our salvation is found in only one name, the name of Jesus. Can you lift your hands now and prophesy his name over your family? Prophesy his name over your future. Prophesy the name of Jesus over every situation you've been battling. Prophesy the name of Jesus against every demonic attack. Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, my salvation, Yeshua, my Savior, Yeshua, the name, give it to me. I've been saved. I'm safe and secure because of the name of Jesus.